Welcome to I Have Issues. I'm Lucifer Storm, and I've got one quick question for you. That's right, you. How the devil art thou? Hopefully, you're keeping safe and well. Now, before I bring my guest in, who I'm really looking forward to talking to, because he's an outlaw comic creator just like myself, which is awesome, I just want to remind you all that I do have an Indiegogo campaign for my forthcoming graphic novel, Lady Satan, an Angel in a Killer's Dress. We've already hit 100% funding. We've hit that first stretch goal. We are so, so close to the second stretch goal. And I've got loads, loads to update you about when it comes to this book i've had so many of the backer perks already turn up we've got these lovely vinyl stickers that have turned up we've got a couple of the the badass prints have already turned up they're looking great we've also got the lovely a3 poster which has turned up I, i'll be honest i kind of wish i went for a larger size poster but it's still pretty badass pretty badass it's twice the size of the actual book and check this out check this out i've been uh, i've been working very hard when it comes to lady satan in may in middle of may issue six of comics unlimited magazine will be coming out and there's going to be an article about myself and lady satan and it will be having an exclusive lady satan wraparound cover which looks a little something like this i've had great fun working on this one and props to everyone who can spot the 666 in this design because it's not an easy one to find on top of that i i decided to be very very kind to the backers who have already backed and to the backers that are about to come because I'm going to make sure that every backer at no extra charge is going to receive an exclusive Lady Satan print illustrated by Christian Rossi, who's worked on such books as Void Walker, Trespassers and Rad Rose. And that print looks a little something like this. How badass is that? You know what? I may even consider putting it on a T-shirt. We're just going to have to wait and see. And on top of that, I also recently announced that once I'm done with Lady Satan, I'll be beginning work on a new book, a one-shot comic book titled Ed Gein, Demon Hunter. Oh, I'm looking forward to that one. And I'm sure there's going to be plenty of people who will be offended by it, but that's okay. I'm used to that kind of thing. So anyway, as I mentioned, I have a fellow Outlaw Comics creator with me tonight. He self-publishes through Wild Mercury. He has titles such as Oh My God and Mars and Venus. Can everyone please welcome Die Have Issues, Anthony Seeger. Anthony, how the devil art thou, good sir? Hey, how are you, Lucifer? I am good, man. I'm glad to have you on the show because we started talking on Twitter and it was like, oh, yeah, I've got to get this guy on the show. We are both on the same level here. And I absolutely love that. And it's always good getting new people on the show and getting to getting to know them a little bit better. Well, thanks for having me. Anytime, man. Before we get started with the questions, I do just want to acknowledge the people in the chat. We have Zaid Studios, who says, Hail Chat. Hail Zaid. We also have Samael Bell. Hail Samael. How the devil art, though? Uh, we have Zaid Studios, who says, Lucifer is the best. Oh, bless you in your cotton socks. We also have Infinity Comics. Hey, Infinity. How the devil art thou? We have Robert, who says, I'm here to make devil puns. Good, good. Bring them on. I'm always open to devil puns. Let me see who else we have. Got, I believe. Oh, oh, here we are. I almost missed him. Ginge Gingerton. This print is so awesome. Thank you very much, Ginge. I'm glad that you are digging it. So, Anthony, I'm going to start off with the question that I ask everyone when they come on this show. Where does your comic book journey begin as both a fan and a creator? 
My uh, comic book journey began in the mid-70s. I had a father who was a truck driver. Mm -hmm. He used to go across country, and he wasn't home during the week. He saw me a couple days a month. But when he came home on the weekends, by stopping at all those truck stops, convenience stores, what have you, he would always bring me a a nice stack of comics. Started off as the... uh, the uh, you know your classic Bronze Age Marvel and DC fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to see the 1975-76 work of George Perez and John Byrne and all that stuff. But it was it's something that ties to um, something that ties very directly to my love of outlaw comics. Mm-hmm. Is in the mid 70s, um, Marvel used to put out these Marvel premiere. Or these presents magazines that were like tabloid or magazine size, and they were like Conan and uh, uh, Savage Submariner and Incredible Hulk. But he brought home this one issue. It was Marvel Premiere or Marvel Spotlight or whatever, but it was Star Lord. And it was a black and white Terry Austin, John Byrne, Star Lord. And I still have it to this day. I think it was 1976. I was five years old pick that up and I'm like, wow, this is amazing. I can see every hatch and every line and all that. And I didn't know I was, you know, I didn't know that was influencing me at a young age. So then in the early nineties and the late eighties, when I saw all this black and white shit out there, I was like, this is what I really like. I don't really even care if there's color. I just want to see the artwork because it reminds me of the shit that you draw in your notebook when you're in high school. You <laughs> Hell know? yeah, man. So. Hell yeah. I'm going to bring up some of your your artwork here right now. This is the cover to uh, Venus and Mars, issue one. Can you tell us a little bit more about this particular title? Yeah, what's cool is when I did, um, when I did Oh My God, issue number five, I came to the realization that I really should have stopped my my limited series at five issues instead of the advertised six. So what I had done is I decided, Hey, let me go classic extreme studios, little image comics gimmick. And I was going to do a flip book. So what I did is I made a flip book of, Oh my God. And then you turn it around and you get Venus and Mars and what Venus and Mars is, uh, is a 28-page book. I got 11 or 12 pages of Oh My God issue number five. Mm-hmm. And then you flip it over and you got Venus and Mars issue one. And Venus and Mars is pretty much an anthology that's going to have two stories. Yeah. One is a tale called Martian Law. And my elevator, well, the one you're seeing right now is Venerella. Venerella is a vampire warrior queen from Venus or princess from Venus. And she pretty much lures uh, wayfaring travelers to uh, engage in sexual activities, but she winds up, you know, draining them of their blood. And pretty much that's where the outlaw bad girl part of that comes in. It's pretty much a horror story of a female predator who uh, is royalty, but, you know, she needs, uh, she needs to feed. And, uh, you know, group sex turns into a group, uh, you know, slasher, uh, slasher comic. 
And, uh, and so Venerella is kind of a Barbarella, Vampirella, uh, you know, kind of space alien hybrid. And uh, I'm going to continue an anthology series in Venus and Mars. That's the Venus part. The Martian law, which is the, the Mars part of the story, is set in the future. And again, it's female themed with a, it, my elevator pitch for that would be, and of course for my UK uh, fans over here watching your pod, your YouTube channel, uh, the elevator pitch is it's a female Judge Dredd. Yeah. Set in the future on a colonized Mars where there is no religion, there's no government, there's no politics, there's nothing but the law, which is... Um, you know, uh, run and, and command, uh, you know, there's a female commander and it's a mix between Battlestar Galactica, Snowpiercer and Judge Dredd, so to speak. But again, there's going to be some boobs and violence and a lot of ink and blood and all that you'd expect from a good outlaw comic. Hell yes. And of course, you also mentioned, oh my God, which we've got the cover for right here. Absolutely gorgeous cover, man. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about this one? Yeah. Oh my God. I, I'm this, you're looking at issue five. Uh, a quick synopsis is girl walks into a bar, a punk bar, goes home with a dude, has a one night stand. He turns out to be an angel. Uh, through intercourse, which is the oh my god part, she mm -hmm. is possessed by the almighty god in a very symbiotic relationship, yeah. kind of like Eddie Brock and Venom. Uh, however, as the story ensues or, or goes on, you come to realize that, spoiler, maybe it's not God. And, you know, uh, Lucifer, uh, pun intended on your show, <laughs> he gets into the mix and uh, he is uh, trying to get back his essence from the main protagonist, Kira Palmer. Um, yeah. And she, uh, he's trying to get his grace or his essence of, of back, both his angelic side and his demonic side, so he can bring on the rapture and the end of times and all that, you know, you know that familiar occult uh, revelations jazz. So, um, oh my God, is a is a uh, you know, I was raised, uh, my grandfather was a Pentecostal minister, mm -hmm. and uh, I went to uh, Lutheran and Catholic schools my whole life. So I have a lot of this heaven and hell stuff going on in my head. Yeah. And uh, Oh My God is a fun story of demons and, and uh, angels and the devil and God. There's uh, many decapitations, uh, many uh, disembowelments, lots of blood. Uh, a lot of fractured bones and uh, some bare breasts and a lot of intercourse in this series. So um, that's about it. I hope I've uh, I've uh, stimulated your audience with that. That synopsis. Oh. oh, I bet you have. I bet you have. Uh, Infinity Comics in the chat says, loving that tattoo. Were you a fan of the TV series Charmed? You know what? Um, yeah, not only that, I was... Um, my wife and I have matching tattoos of this and um, not all I was, I, I am, I do notice the, the charmed reference in that it is the, um, the logo of charmed and my first rock band I ever played in was called Trinity. So um, it, it was just a, a recurring theme and with the power of three and the body, mind, spirit, yeah. or just the, uh, 
Celtic, the Celtic uh, knot, whatever, you know, however you want to refer to it. But yes, I, I, I was a, a fan of the series Charmed. And, and that's funny you, you say that because I've watched a lot of that early WB series and even yeah. CW series. And when I started my comic book, I really wanted to, I, I, I envisioned it if I was pitching a TV show out of it or if I used the IP, I just wanted it like one of those CW or D, WB shows, but really adult. I want to see, you know, we're, we're going to have gore and nudity and all that. So. Uh, awesome, man. Awesome. Uh, Robert in the chat says, how does one actually start a comic? I have a story to tell. What's the process after that until I can get until I can get into the hands of the readers? Well, a, a quick a quick summary of, of my my background is I've been drawing my whole life. Um, I've been a comic fan my whole life. In the early 90s, as I said, I, I, I in, in our previous in our before interview uh, talk, yeah. I stated that I kind of like most people when they reach puberty and they're in high school in the 80s, um, comic books weren't very cool. So I went away from it for a few years. When I graduated college and actually was starting to earn money on my own and living on my own, um, I started seeing all these independent books. And even though independent books have been around before that, made people making their own comics, um, the actual, when the newsstands or, or the uh, comic book shops started pushing all the images of the world and all the bad girl comics like She and yes. Razor and all these folks that if you wanted to uh, compare it to Kevin Smith when he made Clerks, these are artists that knew that Hollywood or uh, DC and Marvel weren't ever going to like find them. They decided, hey, let me max out a credit card and do it myself. Yeah. As far as my own story in the mid 90s or 93, 94, I was submitting letters to all the companies, Dark Horse, Image, Marvel, DC, but I was only doing scripts and sketches. Mm -hmm because I really hadn't drawn a comic book before and I really wasn't that confident uh, in my ability to do so. But uh, a few years ago, I got to the point in my life that I said, you know what? I don't really care about making a million dollars and I don't mm -hmm. care about working for Marvel or DC. Um, I, and I went and bought a couple of packs of, of Bristol board bought a lot of pens and pencils and started drafting scripts for, Oh my God. And it it's, it's, you know, it's about those hours you put in drawing. And if you're a writer, if you're just a writer and you want to start your own comic, call some printing companies. If you don't, you know, if you don't find them online, call some local printers, tell them what you want to do and see if it's feasible. I've worked in marketing and advertising in the state of Florida since 1993. Mm -hmm. So I know a lot of printers and also um, I'm publishing a black and white comic. So mm -hmm. I write it myself. I draw it myself. I letter it myself. I print it myself. Um, a little secret not to deter any, all you folks on Indiegogo and Kickstarter raising, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's not that expensive to print a black and white comic yeah, if you're true. doing it all yourself, you know, and when I mean that just print 500 of them or 200 of them, 
Yeah. And Stalm online, you know, people say, Oh, I have, I, I'm doing this Indiegogo project and I, I have a thousand backers. Well, guess what? That means you only need to print maybe 1500 comics, you know, because um, the big two, they print sometimes, you know, 30,000 comics and 12,000 of those comics are in the, the dollar bins the next yeah. month, you know? So just like if you're in any art form, whether you're a, a writer, an author writing a book, or you're in a band or you're a comic book creator. If you want to do something, do it. I heard a, a great, a great quote, uh, one of the, a shill for a major company, Brian Michael Bendis, I believe, you know, yeah. established DC and Marvel writer for what, 25 years. Mm. I saw a, he did a convention and he had this conference, this seminar, and someone asked him, how do I get into comics? And he looked at him straight in the eye and he didn't say send letters to DC or Marvel. He didn't say do this, do that. He said, make a comic. He said, make a comic. And no matter how good it is or bad it is, you're in comics now. Exactly. And, you know, everybody, you know, I know art is subjective. Art yeah. subjective, man. And music is subjective and, and comics and, and, you know, and cinema. You know, some people, you know, they dig what they dig and some people don't. So. You know, just do what you want to do. And, you know, the old story about even Eric Larson from Savage Dragon, yeah. when he was a teenager, he used to like just like he used to take 11 by 17 or eight and a half by 11 copy pa paper, draw on both sides, copy them, staple them together, give them out to the local comic book stores, you know, make little mm. uh, ash cans, yeah. you know, just 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 get out there and do it. Don't let anybody tell you you can't do it or, it, you know, just because you're not an experienced artist or writer. It doesn't matter. You know, I'm I've been I've I've been wanting to do this my whole life. And I just started, you know, less than two years ago. And I have, you know, six comics out, you know, and uh, that's through a pandemic. That's yeah. through um, some health problems in my family, uh, not me, but my, my spouse. Um, you know, serious stuff in my life, but you know what? It, you sit down, you draw, and if you can't draw, find someone online who can draw or a friend or someone that is a, a fellow customer at a local comic shop or a convention or whatever. Find people that want to collaborate with you, that want to jam with you. You know, I played in bands my whole life, and it's the same thing as, you know, being a comic uh, person. If you can't do everything yourself, then find people to help you out. Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more, man. So with your comics, especially as they're available in stores, because of the content of the comics, I mean, we, we both know outlaw pretty much means there's no limits. You can do anything in those books and you probably will. It's going to go to some dark places. Do yeah. you get much backlash from readers who don't really know what they're getting into? Yeah, on issue three of my on on the first issue of my comic, uh, which is in my hands right here, on the first issue of my comic, I had some graphic uh, sexual uh, stuff depicted. Yeah. However, what I did is I did the old uh, Jim Ballant early broadsword comics uh, Tara witch stuff, where I made sure that the privates were covered or whatever you know strategically. Yeah. But then in issue number three, I actually said, you know, there's no reason to be stuff covered. So I showed, um, you know, some general area on my main, uh, the, the 
protagonist, the female protagonist. I showed her pubic region and I, I showed the, the breast area and the nipples because to be honest with you, there was no reason for it to be covered. Yeah. Uh, she was flying through the sky uh, in a supernatural uh, way. And there was no way that hair or, or whatever was going to cover it. So I said, all right, well, let me just do this. And to be honest with you, I got kind of censored at a local shop. Right. Um, they polybagged my stuff and put it on the rack. And I wasn't that excited about that because what happened is that actually did result in the normal people browsing through the book, not being able to do it. And it did affect sales that month. Um, so since then I have went back to, uh, being not shy, but, but scaling back and doing, um, kind of, again, strategically placing things to cover genitalia and privates and things like that. Just, you know, it's still for mature audiences, but I still do, do want to, uh, you know, I do want the book to be picked up and looked at, but you know, in the future, um, you know, uh, Lucifer saw in, in, in Venus and Mars, um, Venerella, you know, kind of goes down on a guy and she's a vampire. And instead of biting her his neck, she bites something else. It's implied because you Mm -hmm. see the blood gushing and all that. I didn't need to show the actual, you know, the actual, uh, member and the, the yeah. I didn't need to show the oral act. I just needed to imply what was going on by the blood going all over the place and everything. And, uh, you know, and in that situation, that's where most of the blood is anyway. So, uh, yeah. you know, um, so, so to answer your question, um, when I do my, when I actually do get on Indiegogo and I start pushing my books that in that manner, I am going to be a bit more free and liberal in what I do show because yeah, I was, I was kind of holding back because I got a little gun shy yeah. uh, on my third issue just because all of a sudden then my book was getting censored a little bit. Yeah. So yeah. When you're at shows, do you, do you ever have the problem of sort of like, you know, uh, someone's coming along, they look at your table and then all of a sudden a kid comes along and goes, Oh, that looks cool. And you're like, no, <laughs> no, no, not really. I mean, I did the last, I did a show, believe it or not, as I stated, I'm in Florida mm. and, um, we're like the wild west here. We actually did have a comic book show with about, you know, it was not a huge show. It wasn't like a Megacon or a San Diego, but it was a small show in uh, central Florida and there was about 1,200 people at the show. Everyone was wearing masks and all, and yeah. hand sanitizer all over the place. But there were a lot of kids. But I, I tend to, I also think about that when I'm when I'm presenting the covers on my table. You know, yeah. um, the covers that are a little more risque than the others. Mm-hmm. You know, I try and hide them, and you know, or I put a comic over them. I actually do have a lot of photo covers. Oh, and cool. I have a nude model who, um, through a photographer friend of mine, was, um, you know, posing for stuff. And, and she's in the buff. But, again, things are strategically covered. And yeah. when I present those on the tables at the shows, I'm just, you know, I try and uh, I try and keep it classy. And I do have for mature audiences on my, uh, you know, on my book. And, you know, and that's the way it is. Awesome, man. Awesome. So what what were some of the outlaw comics that influenced you and your artwork? 
Well, a lot of my stuff, I, I fell in love with Faust yes. uh, from Tim Vigil. And uh, back when I had first seen it, you know, I wasn't really even just like, I think uh, I've had a conversation with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't really sure of what to call it. I just yes. called it, well, these are cool. Uh, these are things that I would have liked to see when I was 18 years old in high school. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of boobs and a lot of blood and a lot of occult imagery and stuff going on. You know, it was like a mix of, uh, uh, I, I, I used to call it like Iron Maiden porn. You know, it was like you were, it was like you were looking at um, you were looking at covers, album covers by Iron Maiden and porn at the same time yeah. and um, with a lot of gore thrown in. So, you know, that's that that kind of stuff made a first impression. Also, James O'Barr's The Crow. Mm, big, classic. big influence on me. And again, getting back to the story of folks that um, kind of, you know, did it themselves. Yeah. Uh, they did it in black and white uh, for expense reasons. Mm. And then they had these full, fully realized like vengeance stories, you yes. know, again, seeped in a lot of Gothic imagery and a lot of, you know, occult trappings and all that stuff. And then um, a big influence of the, the thing that really nailed home the uh, outlaw comics was a mix of outlaw comics, but also, one of the first bad girl comics, which was Everett Hartso's The Razor. Yeah. Uh, Razor, Com- Razor um, Strike, all those early books by Everett Hartso with London Night Studios, uh, all those were in black and white. Um, you know, great stories, great artwork, you know, bloody covers, um, you know, really uh, turned me on. And, uh, you know, really good, good graphic, uh, a lot of ink on the page, just oh, yeah. like, uh, just like Tim Vigil and, you know, and I've spoken to uh, Everett Hartso and he tells me, yeah, I was heavily influenced by, uh, James O'Barr and also Tim Vigil. So, you know, it's a, um, you know, and Tim Tyler also, who as a young man had, uh, his own, um, his own comics, uh, you know, his own little self-publishing stuff that he did a lot of work with Tim Vigil, um, reprinted some of the Faust stuff, and then also worked with Everett Hart. So so those three are are, are big influences. And then on the bad girl side, uh, not so much outlaw comics, but a lot of the she stuff by by, uh, Billy Tucci, uh, big influence. Uh, Just, hey, do it yourself, you know, just do it yourself. And of course, Lady Death, you know, oh, uh, not so much, you know, not in the black and white um, um, format, but definitely in the, you know, hey, do it yourself, early chaos comic stuff with mm-hmm. Eva Lerny and, and Lady Death and all the Polito Hughes, those early issues really had an effect on me. And when I started going to conventions in the early 90s, seeing all this stuff, I was blown away by, wow, these guys are not in Marvel and DC. Mm. And it's like, as for me now, um, you know, it's like, I don't, I, that's what I want to be. I want to be my own, my own boss, you know? Hell yeah. It's, it's the dream job really (laughs) at the end of the day to be your own boss, man. Um, so 
I've, you know, I've spoken to a few people about outlaw comics, the few that kind of know what I mean when I talk about outlaw comics. I have had it in on the show before where, you know, there've been people in the chat and I've brought up the term outlaw comics and they're like, what the hell does that mean? How would you describe outlaw comics to a newcomer, someone who hasn't heard that term before? Well, an outlaw comic would be, um, you know, the definition pretty much of an outlaw is someone that rebels against the norm. So if you're a rebel in the comic book industry, an outlaw comic would be you, uh, you know, thumbing your nose at the the normal comic book. Um, you know, outlaw comic, as far as I'm concerned, is is an, a comic that's made for um, by a creator for the creator himself or herself. Yes. In other words, I don't make my books for kids. Yeah. I don't make my books for any specific audience or demographic. I don't make my, my comic for um, people my age. I don't make comics for people older or younger than me. I don't even make comics for Lucifer storm. I make comics that I want to read and I want to see. And if I dig them, that's all I care about. Now, if anybody else digs them, that's gravy. Uh, you know, it, it, the whole idea of, of making any art so that you can uh, have an audience or gain an audience is ridiculous. You know, like, uh, you know, the name of my the name of my company, Wild Mercury, originates from Bob Dylan because he had uh, when someone asked him about his double album, Blonde on Blonde, he said uh, it's got that wild, thin mercury sound. Well, yeah. wild mercury to me means it's always changing and it's mercurial. Yeah. To me, a person like Bob Dylan, Bob Dylan wouldn't, you know, be on The Voice or win American Idol today. Hell, Bob Dylan probably wouldn't even get a record deal. But what it is <laughs> is Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan did what he did and produced the art he did, and the audience came to him. And the same way in comic books, man. You need to put that product out there, yeah. Because all the big people, you know, the Mc, the Todd McFarlands of the world, they, you know, they got the the Brian Politos of the world, you know, and even to to the extent some of the big names at Marvel and DC, they put out products. They didn't care about what the audience wanted. They were giving the audience what they thought they needed, not what they wanted. Yes. And guess what? Eventually, the audience came to them. And if the product and the art is good, no matter what medium it is, whether it's music or whether it's comics or whether it's theater or whatever, if the product is genuine and sincere, the audience will come to you eventually and it'll be rewarding. And if they don't come to you, that's fine, too, as long as you go to bed at night being happy with what you're doing. Yes, absolutely because i can tell you from experience there's nothing worse than when you write and you illustrate a book that you are not proud of you're not sure. passionate of you know yeah. I've, I've i've been at shows before where i've had that book on the table and i'm trying to hide it over in the corner and promote all the other shit and people instantly gravitate to that one that you're hiding and you're yeah. like oh no and then they start looking through it and it's so soul destroying even if they say really nice things about it you're just like yeah but i know deep down inside 
that's bullshit. <laughs> you right. know, this is the good stuff right here. Sure. Kind of thing. So I completely get where you're coming from, man. Uh, in the chat, we have Robert who says, when researching a cult, are there any resources you recommend? <laughs> My, well, as I said, um, as I stated earlier, when it comes to the occult, I didn't really have to research much because my grandfather was a Pentecostal minister. Mm. And when they used to drag me to church in New York growing up, um, they never talked about peace and love. They, they yeah. always taught from the book of Revelations. So the Mark of the Beast and 666 and all that shit was constantly in my brain all the time. And then, you know, um, you know, every, as I said, every WB and CW show I've ever used, I pull stuff from that. Do I pick up satanic Bibles and, and do Google searches? Now, I, you know, I do outlaw comics and, you know, slash bad girl comics. So my stuff is not that cerebral. My stuff is well written. I'll, you know, I'll proudly state, but I'm not doing any Neil Gaiman type stuff. I'm just drawing, I'm drawing boobs and blood and guns. <laughs> what a brilliant and beautiful combination that is. Yeah. And, and you're right. Like the, the writing is great. It is really good writing. Cause one thing that I really enjoyed, like reading over like uh, Martian law and Oh my God and stuff was it didn't matter where I jumped into in the story. I knew that when I got to the end of it, there was some there was some kind of twist, whether it be a large twist or a small twist, something that I just didn't see coming, but it fit. It worked so well with everything that came before. I didn't see that twist and then go, oh no, that doesn't work. You know, it was it made sure. sense. Well, well, the thing that I learned from being a comic reader mm. is that in the old days when people put out comics, especially indie comics, mm. you never thought whether they were gonna afford to be able to put out a next issue. So yes. there was always something cool happening at the end, some sort of cliffhanger, some sort of whatever to really, you know, say, okay, Oh, look at that surprise. And also that's the kind of movies I like. I like movies and I like yes. cinema and TV that have surprises at the end of every episode. So it'll keep you wanting more, but also, you know, the idea of jumping in at any point, um, you know, I appreciate that because I do try, I do try very hard to make it like the old days in the days of the spinner rack or indie labels or, or indie comics when you didn't know if you were going to get the next issue yeah. but you were still able to pick up the issue that was available enjoy yeah. it jump on and you know really savor it and if you never saw it again at least you had a good issue and it standed well by itself um mm. if i could digress for a second just to promote um you know, as I stated, I don't have an Indiegogo or Kickstarter, but uh, through the links in your in your video that you provided probably for me and all, yep. if you look me up on Instagram, Twitter and or Facebook, and if you're interested in purchasing any of the comics I'm talking about, and I have five of them out, you know, just message me. And that's how I've been doing business. Uh, I've yeah. been taking orders. People see my stuff online. They dig it. You know, and again, like you said, I, I am in stores. I'm in stores in New York and also Florida. Um, and I do, I do make like, I have like 50 people on a pull list. Every time I come out with a book, they're like, Hey, uh, they message me and they're like, Hey, is the next issue out? Or I tell them the next issue's out. Would you like it before I go to press? You know, and they, uh, they message me. 
They order, you know, my four covers that I put out a month. I, I send them two posters and uh, five comic books. And I, I send them the whole package for 25 bucks. And that's how I pay for my books uh, every time I do an issue. That's so, awesome, man. I'm, I'm so, just going to let everyone know that in the chat, pinned to the top of the chat, is a link to Anthony's Twitter. And in the description box down below, you will find a link to his Facebook page and his Twitter. So please check him out. And if you're interested in these books, send the man a message and let him know that you want to support him and his work. Thank you. I wanted to point that out because our, our conversation was so engrossing. My, mar <laughs> my marketing savvy... Um, just my marketing, uh, goes by the wayside when I'm having a great conversation. Oh, and, I completely and the, understand. The, the YouTube video would be over and I'd be watching it tomorrow and I'd say, damn, I didn't promote where to find my book. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so, so that's that. Cool, man. We've also got a couple of uh, new people in the chat. We've got Jake Vista. Hello, Jake. How the devil art thou? And he says, not going to bed was the best decision to hear this little morale boost which is always nice to hear. Very and nice. we've also got my main man, Hex Allen Comics, who will be appearing on the show in a few weeks' time. And he says, hey there, devil boys. That's a, Ooh, that's that's a great name, Hex Allen Comics. I love it. Hell yeah, man. Great love name. It. Very catchy name as well. Uh, you know, what, what you said about like when it came back to the indies back in those days, how they didn't know if the next issue would get made or printed or anything. That's yeah. so true. I think one book that that really kind of solidifies that is Grips by Tim Vigil. Of course. That that was one of those books. I remember like reading that first book and I was like, oh man, like that's pretty much like a whole complete story. And every issue was like that. And then I think it was like after issue four, they stopped and it took a couple of years and then all of a sudden Grips was back. So I completely get where you're coming from with that. And that's a really good thing to keep in mind yeah. because I think a lot of indie creators at the moment, myself included, I think we're all guilty of this. We all think, oh, I'm going to do this book and then this book and then this book and then this book. And we don't take into account that first one. It might not take off. We just sure. don't know. Sure. And Grips was amazing. Uh, you know, Again, we're both tied to the uh, Faustian knot there, but yeah. uh, you know Tim Vigil's stuff is is so good. And you know Tim Vigil, you know let's let's go back a little more. Tim Vigil uh, was a Bernie Wrightson, you know, uh, disciple, and yeah. it's all about again about drawing and putting as much ink on the page as possible, you know, yes. and just really getting into it. And and again, not giving a damn. You know, Tim Vigil still doesn't give a damn. Uh, he's a testament, you know, and, uh, whether you, you, you like him or not personally, his yeah. artwork, you know, his artwork stands by itself and getting back to you, you asking me my definition of outlaw, it's, you know, more, more distinct than just being a rebel. It's yeah. really someone who just doesn't give a shit. It's like, <laughs> yes. it's like, I'm not playing by anybody's rules. So yeah. I'm an outlaw. You know, just like, yeah. you know, the outlaw, the highway, you know, the Wailing Jennings, you know, American, you know, country music shit. It's yeah. guys that are not going to are not going to bow down. They're not going to take a knee to the industry that they want to be in, because honestly, they don't want to be in it. You know, yeah. I don't know about you, but I don't want to work for like I said, I don't want to work for Marvel or DC. I just want to create my own stuff. 
And the only work that I would even think of taking is, um, you know, if Image Comics or someone like that called and said, hey, we like your stuff, we'll publish it, but you'll own it. You know, that model, mm -hmm. that model is good for me. Everything else, you know, I'm, dude, I'm too old to worry about that shit. You know, I, uh, I have a full-time job. I do this, I do this the same way, you know, um, uh, it's the same way you'd paint in the afternoon. I do this for me. And yeah. again, if your audience or you or anybody else loves it, great. I will mail you books every two months till I can't draw anymore. But, you know, um, I'm a traditional artist. I'm a traditional writer. And I just like making comics. And, you know, I regret not doing it sooner in my life. I think I said I, I, I attempted mm -hmm. to, to write in, 90, in the mid-90s. But life got in the way and uh, work and family and all that stuff and ex-wives and homes and all that stuff got in the way. And, and you know, what happened is uh, I just, uh, you know, in my late 40s and I decided, hey, you know what? I'm going to be dead soon, maybe. So let me start creating my own comics. Yeah. You know? no. And it's and it's and it's satisfied me greatly as a as a person. Yeah, man, it's definitely a very satisfying job to have. And I'm with you, man. Like, if Marvel knocked on my door and was like, hey, do you, do you want to work for us? It'd be like, no, no, I, I just can't. That That's not the right place for me. I mean, uh, like, with a book like Lady Satan, they're, they're going to be like, yeah, we're, we're not issuing that. We're not putting that out there. They need a stuff. book like Lady Satan, though. I agree. I completely agree. They need something that kind of rocks the boat a little bit because at the moment I, I could walk into like a comic book store, pick up most of like the recent Marvel issues and they're all going to be the same kind of feel, the same kind of like heartless, soulless stuff. Whereas Lady Satan may be a very dark story, but there's heart and soul there. And like at the end of the day, half the people that they've got working for Marvel, they're all quite straight laced and good reputation stuff, man. Like only a few days ago, I had a taxidermist contact me about sponsoring me. And I was like, yeah, that's the kind of shit that I like. You know, I'll quite happily take that sponsorship, man. Marvel would not like it if I worked for them and then said, hey, guess what? <laughs> I had a taxidermist get in touch with me. They'd be like, you can't do that. You can't talk about that to me. Like when you work in the mainstream, especially as an artist, like your your most powerful tool is is the pencil. Okay. Yeah. When it's a bit more independent, like working with like Dark Horse or Image, I would say your most powerful tool is is your imagination. But when you're an outlaw artist, your most powerful tools are this middle finger and this middle finger. You know, and, and to me that just that just suits me. That feels so right and makes me feel at home. What was your, um, you know, besides your love of outlaw comics, which, you know, most outlaw comics are predominantly black and white. What was your choice? What was your reasoning for working in the medium of, uh, you know, I noticed you have spot colors on some of your stuff, but yeah. was there a, re a particular reason for the black and white? I just prefer black and white artwork. It just looks nicer to me. It just there's something magical there and like i'm a huge horror fan i love horror sure. movies and you know a majority of horror movies now they are in color but i'm also a fan of film noir as well and i love a sunday afternoon you sit down you put on something like 12 angry men or kansas confidential 
And there's something so magical about the way those movies are made. And same with like the original Twilight Zone by Rod Serling, those black and white shows. There's just something that can be captured in black and white that you can't capture in color comics. Color comics is kind of, to me, you you go on a first date with a girl, you invite (laughs) her in for a nightcap, you turn around, pour her a drink, look back, all her clothes are off. And it's just like, oh, uh, oh, okay, that that wasn't as exciting as I thought it would be. But a black and white book is more like you take that girl home and she's kind of like, oh, maybe you'll see something tonight. Maybe you won't. Depends on uh, how you play this game of mine. And I like that. There's something sexy about black and white art. Well, also, the problem with color that I can't stand is that it hides the work of the artist. And I know that folks that work in color, which I've seen some of your videos, you know, there's no I'm not taking anything against them. But my preference, um, have you ever gone on Twitter and seen artwork by uh, let's I'll make a I'll make a very mainstream comparison. Mm -hmm. Do you ever see J. Scott Campbell from Gen 13 and, and, you know, uh, Danger Girl and a famous cover artist. But Mm -hmm. when he did his sequential work and even when he shows off his covers, You'll go on Twitter and Instagram and you'll see his black and white, his pen and pencil. And he doesn't work in digital. He's traditional. Uh, You'll see his pen and his ink and you'll look at and you'll see all these details and glorious lines and all that. And then he shows the finished cover and it looked like somebody from Marvel Studios making Infinity War just painted shiny colors right over it. So much that the lines that you were looking at are gone. Yeah. And like I said, the early black and whites that I saw, you know, Love and Rockets too. Amazing. Oh. When I first saw that, when I was in high school and I saw those comics. And what's funny is my my post-pubescent high school mind who was growing up on Staten Island, New York, had mm. no fucking clue what I was looking at genius-wise. So I was like, oh, yeah, there's some big boobs and there's some cool stuff. But then later on, when I found Sin City by Frank Miller and I saw all the, the use of the, 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 you know, the negative space and the, the ink. And then I then I revisited Love and Rockets, the Fantagraphics Fantagra- volumes. I was like, holy crap, these guys were like this is what I should have been reading all along yeah. because it appealed to me. And again, the black and white, the, the, the use of lines, the use of, you know, even though I don't use them, the whole, that whole stuff of the zip tones and the shading and stuff that was all done by hand. And that was done, you know, late at night in basements on Bristol board with India ink. And, you know, it just, and it's like amazing because you look at it now and the stuff is, is like Renaissance paintings to me, Yeah, you know, and, and that whole, you know, like when I, you know, uh, you know, when I saw your stuff, it reminded me, wow, this is the stuff that I like to look at, you know, mm. you know, and the stuff that I like to create because I can see everything, yeah. you know, and to me, and what's ironic is I've been by trade a, a, uh, art, a creative director and graphic designer since 1993 working in marketing. 
So yeah. ironically, I deal with advertising all day. That's always bright colors and Photoshop this and Photoshop that. And so when I decided to do my comic, I was like, you know what? I, I Let me tell you something. The only thing I do digitally in my comic is lettering because I don't have the patience to letter. Yeah. But other than that, every page is done 11 by 17. I scan them. Mm-hmm. Very little cleanup. I do most of my stuff by whiteout and eraser. And that's it. Because I, I work in the digital field, but as I say in my bio, I think I sent you, I'm an analog kid, man. Digital yeah. is nice. I love the fact that we're talking, you know, I'm talking with you across the Atlantic Ocean right now. Exactly. That's phenomenal. But man, if I could go back to 1988 and put a flyer on a telephone pole saying, yes. you know, my band's playing Saturday night, or if I could say, <laughs> hey, this is my new indie comic with a little flyer on the local comic book shop uh, thing. And by the way, I still do that. Uh, at every comic book store that my book is in, I send them a stack of like four by six postcards in black and white that promotes the book. And I say, hey, could you please stuff them in the bags of your customers so nice. I can get more readers that way? You know, guerrilla marketing or guerrilla, you know, pushing your art, the whole guerrilla style, you know, it still works. It's just done a different way. So this is our this is my guerrilla marketing talking to you tonight. But, you know, it's the same thing. Yeah, man, I I dig that so much. Many years ago, uh, I started working on a book with another artist. It was meant to be like a three issue miniseries. Unfortunately, we only did the first issue together. And then there was some some legal complications. And it was called Skin and Bones. It was about these two superpowered serial killers looking for their missing gimp. It was as simple as that. <laughs> and uh, one of the things that we did to help market it is, is we made these missing posters with the little tabs that you can pull off. Like, if you've seen this gimp, call this number. And we stuck them to so many trees and lampposts and stuff. Sure. And the amount of people who were coming out going, no, you can't put that up there. And then we just put a new one up there. And it did so well. Like we, we found like a few days later, we went to a bar that had one of them up in the window and people were taking photos next to it and stuff. Cause it was just so weird and outrageous, but it, it really did help the old school ways of marketing. I think are still the best. Like I, I hear people talk all the time, like get Facebook ads and do this and do that. And I like to take it a bit simpler. Like one thing I've been telling like a lot of people when they back Lady Satan is like, look, you're going to get this thing turned up in like a big black box with a pentagram on it. And I actually had this arrive today. It's going to be sealed with blood stained crime scene tape. That's cool. So that people will know like, oh shit, that they'll remember that more than anyone else's book. And if they have a great experience just opening the box, let alone reading the book, they're going to come back and be like, what's he going to do with the next one? <laughs> you know, so they'll keep coming back. That's that's a great campaign. Thanks, man. Thanks. I, I have a new I have a new book I'm working on, too, that's going to be out uh, this summer. There was a character in. Oh my God, called Misty America. Yeah. Now, uh, you know, I, it's probably been in the news, but, uh, you know, last year with the pandemic, we also had a quite a interesting election going on here in the U.S. You did. And um, while that was going on, I created this character called Misty America. And she's kind of like a Captain America super soldier. Yeah. Uh, she did a couple of tours of Afghanistan. And uh, I have a book and, and she's like, she's like the Punisher, but mm-hmm. she's, she's a blonde uh, woman and she's got big fake titties. 
but she's like the Punisher. So there you go. So um, she debuted in Oh My God, and she's going to be coming out very soon in a book called Misty America. And I, and in the true tradition of 90s comics, I already have cover models for Misty America 1 and 2 and all that stuff. Oh, so fantastic. And I have, I have certain, I have these models uh, that uh, I know through my marketing and photography background who have agreed to, hey, yeah, we'd love to be on the cover of your comic books. So, you know, nice. that there's a, there's a thing too. In fact, the, the cover model of Oh My God, who's been on three issues now, uh, the last three issues, um, wearing a Misfits shirt and then having angel, angel wings, uh, she's actually a Playboy Playmate. So, you know, I um, I got some stuff to 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 gain attention and to get people to um, come to my tables at, you know, shows. Yeah. And um, and again, part of guerrilla marketing, because yes. I remember all the whether it be Razor or Double Impact or She or glory uh you know mm, some yes. rob liefeld extreme studios mm. they in the 90s they also you know they used to do uh photo covers all the time and much to my surprise dynamite studios is still doing that with all their vampirella comics that they publish you know yeah and jim ballant broadsword comics he does it all the time you know uh so so you know it's a it's a tna like i said you know um, I, I create comics for me and, and, and I, I can see from your work that you create comics for you. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> and what's better is, is I create comics for 18 year old Anthony Sika, not 48 year old Anthony Sika. Yes. You know, I create comics that I would like to read. Um, you know, if I was, uh, you know, on my way to the mall uh, to see Karate Kid 2 or whatever. You know, I don't yes. create comics to um, cater or pander to the year 2021. However, the whole uh, zealot um, Misty America was kind of birthed out of the uh, political upheaval and the uh, crazy politically correctness and the total abandonment of all reason that the United States and the rest of the world was going through last year. So yeah. pretty much Misty America is going to be a, a, a my, is going to be my lady death type character that I'm going to carry on for a while. And she's pretty much a mercenary ex military ex WWE wrestler. And pretty much she has no moral ethics whatsoever. She kills them all and lets God sort them out Fantastic. or maybe, the, or maybe the devil. So, Nice. Jake in the chat says, create, create for the cradle to take it to the grave. That's right. Such a, such a lovely way of putting it. And he's also said, just to tease Lucifer, there will never be a black and white absolute volume of Preacher. I know. I know. I love Preacher. It's a great book, but I've come, I've accepted. I will never see it in black and white, which is such a shame because Steve Dillon's work on that book was great. I was I was just going to say seeing Steve Dillon's work in black and white would be uh, revelatory and uh, revolutionary. And you know what? I I don't think I recall ever even seeing um, original pages. I don't even know what Steve Dillon's artwork looks like in black and white, but no, I imagine no. it's phenomenal. 
I, I reckon so as well. He kind of like had a, like a slight hint of a noir aesthetic because sure. he was so economical with his lines. It was just stunning artwork. And he was one of those artists. You never saw his artwork and thought that looks like someone else. You saw right. it and went, that's Steve Dillon all right. the time. Right. You and know? that's important for everybody too. you know, um, yeah. I'm not the greatest artist in the world by far, but when people see my stuff, they it, it's consistent and you know and even though i've improved a lot um i you know i think creativity is the um you know uh, the the style comes from lack of technique uh yeah. sometimes and you know even the greatest comic illustrators in the world uh like neil adams for example yeah. still has a cartoonish aspect whether it's with the hatching or the line or the shading or maybe the nose is a little longer mm. and and again you, you it's it's always good in a if you're at a convention and you're looking at the wall of collectible comics that someone that a that a dealer is selling you can spot a um neil adams from across the room you can spot yes. a jim starenko from yeah. across the room you can spot a Rob Liefeld even from across the room. Yeah. So whether you're a fan of the artist or not, the the greatest artists or the most influential of all time stand out like Tim Vigil even. You mm -hmm. can tell a Tim Vigil, um, you know, art from across the room. I love another thing in uh, Outlaw Comics. I love how... Um, the muscles and the veins and the, the blood, it's almost like a fetish. Like yes. they, they, they fetishize, fetishize the, 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 the way the muscles are. And it's like, you know, and again, it goes back to that. This is how uh, in high school, senior year, you draw a, a, a girl or a guy uh, on the back of your notebook. You know, yeah. you would draw them like Eddie on a, uh, on a Iron Maiden sleeve. Or you would draw them like, you know, um, uh, Richard Pettibone, uh, you know, black flag cover. You would yeah. put that little extra muscle in, that little extra hair, that whatever, to get the real black and white, um, you know, the black and white thing that you'd like to see it look like. And uh, mm -hmm. Tim Vigil, you can spot across the convention room, you know, or, yes. your, or your dollar bin. So kids out there yeah. looking through dollar bins, you can find a lot of Tim Vigil stuff. You know, placed in there by accident, you know, pick yeah. up his stuff. Yeah, and it's worth picking up. Have you ever oh, had a chance to speak to Tim Vigil? No, I haven't. I've seen him in interviews. Um, the only, the closest by association, uh, believe it or not, um, I mentioned Tim Tyler, yeah. who did a lot of ink work for um, Tim Vigil. Yeah. Um, and also worked with London Night Studios. Uh, Tim Tyler actually lives in my town. Uh, cool. where I do. And I speak to him. Um, in fact, I owe him lunch. So, but uh, <laughs> that's the closest, um, you know, I've, I've been by association. Tim Vigil from the interviews I've seen is uh, quite uh, uh, grumpy and cantankerous, yeah. but, but you know what? Um, art and artists, man, you gotta, you gotta separate that too. Yeah, you know, absolutely. There's, there's a lot of guys out there and, and there's a lot of men and women out there who are wonderful artists, but they might be a little prickish in person, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I've, I've spoken to Tim very briefly on Instagram 
and I love the guy. I've got respect for him. Sure. Yes, he's he he is how he appears yeah. in interviews, but you kind of expect that with the shit that he's been through with his sure. career. So, you know, I just kind of like let it slide. It's like, well, if I was walking in his shoes, I would end up the same way yeah. as well. But great guy. I hope that one day I can convince him to come on this show because I'd love to sit down with him and talk to him for an hour, man. He, uh, he should be doing stuff. I mean, you know, yeah. he should even be working for the big guys. You yes. know, I think you've probably seen uh, on the, uh, kayfabe channel them showing that batman yeah. story he did oh yes oh my How god amazing that now now that's a black label book that yes. that that i would buy a thousand copies of that was oh, yeah. amazing so yeah absolutely his take on the joker was like oh my <laughs> god that's that's incredibly twisted but i yeah. love it it was fantastic <laughs> and it's and it's uh not safe for work or young children but it's it was really good Hell yes. Jake in the chat says sending a heritage auction link for original inks by Dylan in the DMs. So I'm going to check my Twitter after the show and I'll I'll send you the link as well, Anthony. I can honestly can say, I don't know about you, but I know I wouldn't be able to afford it. No, I wouldn't be able to afford it, but I, I can look at it looking though. at it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can look at it. So I find with uh, a lot of outlaw comics there, even some of the lesser known outlaw comics, there is clearly a music influence to these books. There's a lot of gothic imagery. There's a lot of stuff like um, Ed Piscor said on on the Kayfabe channel. You get your real deal outlaw comics from metalheads. Sure. Would you say that music has influenced a lot of your outlaw comic work? Yeah. Um, oh my God. Every issue um, is a, every issue is titled after a Bob Dylan song. Yeah. Not that that's metal, but I was just trying to be like, really, I was trying to be like, I was, I was releasing my inner Alan Moore by throwing in <laughs> some Bob Dylan references. Um, but every, every, um, Every story in the inside page uh, is referenced. There's a Bob Dylan song, except the very first issue, which is called Blonde on Blonde. Yeah. And that's a description of the sexual encounter that takes place because there's a blonde on a blonde. But uh, after that, everyone is a is a uh, Bob Dylan song. Mm -hmm. And also in the first issue, um, Kira Palmer and her friend Jennifer go to a bar after work in Manhattan um, and there's a punk rock band there playing called Halo Violation, which yeah. is actually a band I was playing in before the pandemic. Um, so it's actually me on stage playing with my band, uh, you know, in the comic. Yeah. And uh, the I, and actually she gets into conversation with this dude who she winds up going to bed with um, and they're talking about black flag and the Ramones and the sex pistols and the dead Kennedys in their conversation. And although she's um, the protagonist is in her early thirties, I gave her the sensibility of being a real punk rocker. Nice. So I came very close to naming her Sheena, but I thought that was too much on the nose. So um, <laughs> Kira, Kira, which by the way, was the name of um, Kira was the only female member of Black Flag, the bass player, uh, in the later 
years of Black Flag, um, Kira Rossiter, I believe, or Rossler, um, she uh, who's who then married Mike Watt uh, from the Minutemen. Um, that that played a part, and and again, as I said, my credo of my 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 whole label is like punk rock on paper. I wanted to have that aesthetic of being punk rock, and of course, uh, you know, I've been playing in bands. Uh, I started out as a drummer slash singer in in 1988. So since 1988, I've been playing music uh, right up until the week before the, the pandemic, uh, COVID kind of hit the United States in late March of um, 2020. My band was playing pretty much every weekend the week before that. Uh, yeah. And in fact, my very last gig with my band at a very crowded bar, um, COVID was in the news. And yeah. I had people in the bar offering me the beer and their nachos and shit. And I didn't want to partake of it because I didn't, you know, I didn't know what was going on or whether it was coming this way or not. So, hmm. but, uh, but yeah, I think that informs a lot of what I do. Um, and I do, I, I even have a, you know, I had another comic book that I was going to make about an all girl metal band uh, who were assassins on the side, you know, I, so oh, yeah. I know because I know music and because I've been in, dive bars um i've played at cbgb's when it was open myself um i have lived like in green rooms and back rooms and dive bars and stuff uh my whole life um so there's always that part of it and and yes you know when it comes to outlaw comics of course metal and hard rock and 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 punk rock are deep i think um you know, part of, part of that whole thing. And again, you know, it's, and, and you know what, it's not even so much about the music, man. Sometimes the outlaw comic aesthetic is just being cool, you know? So if, if, you know, if you're listening to a, a a behemoth record or a, or a a lamb of God record or whatever, and, or a Pantera record or whatever, it's just like, there's cool, you know, and like black Sabbath, you know, uh, just cool is cool. So if you got that whole, you know, that whole aesthetic of wanting to be cool, then, you know, it's going to be, it's going to have a bit of rock and roll attitude toward it. And, uh, you know, in my, and oh my God, you know, Kira wears a Ramones jacket, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, in fact, when she thinks about going out at night, she's looking through her closet and she sees all these like, you know, you know, kind of slutty mini skirts and things like that. And she says, no, nah, I'm going out in my Ramones jacket and a, and a pair of jeans, yeah. you know, because, you know, that's, you know, that's I, I don't I don't want to draw my theme. I, I do like drawing. I love drawing the female figure, but I don't want to draw them like, um, you know, their contestants on The Bachelorette. I want to <laughs> I want to draw them like they're uh, they're they're going to a Fury Road or uh, yeah. or a tank girl convention. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. So, man. You know, like like on my first book, <clears throat> Jericho, like the, the lead character, the lead female character, I wanted her to stand out from all the other female characters in the book. So all the other female characters in the book, you know, they were wearing nice dresses, Prada stuff and all that. And all she would wear was like jeans and a T-shirt and every sure. T-shirt she wore, it was always a logo for a different local band in my area. 
just to like really put across that like no she stands out because she's an individual oh yes my first my first two uh nice. my first two issues she's got a black flag shirt on and in the last two issues she has a misfit shirt on oh yes you can't go wrong with black flag flag or the misfits man but that's all she's wearing is a t-shirt now so nice that's the way we like it and it means that i can ask the question that i asked in my previous one that i'm stealing sure. and, and changing for myself who is your favorite metal band and why is it lamb of god <laughs> <laughs> um you know lamb of god is one of my top metal bands to be honest with you um Understandably. it's funny you say that i've seen them about six times in concert nice. um in not to be cliche but I'm a, I'm a big Metallica fan also. You know, I've liked yes. Metallica my whole life. Yeah. Um, you know, um, I don't listen to as much metal as I used to. Um, you know, and I hardly listen to music at all since the pandemic. Uh, yeah. I've been, you know, even when I draw, I don't, I, I, I don't like listening to music. I, I don't know whether it's me being older or whatever, but um, the metal scene, um, you know, I, I used to go to, festivals all the time yeah and the last festival i was at i saw it was behemoth uh behemoth lamb of god megadeth and someone else oh slayer slayer's oh. slayer slayer is actually one of my favorite bands too you know of all time oh. so you know i i actually you know what i will actually say i'm i i'll i'll take the easy way out i like the big four i love the um slayer uh yeah. metallica megadeth and I'm from Stat. I'm from New York, so and I love comic books. So obvious answer is Anthrax. I mean, yes. come on, man. good man. That's you what know, I like to hear. I I have I bought my first Anthrax record in 1988 or whatever. In fact, I'm not going to show you because I'll probably lose my Wi-Fi. But my the top of my wall in my in my office where my drawing board is is covered in anthrax records that i got autographed so oh fantastic yeah. man uh jake in the chat says uh thank you seeker for reminding me to play the lullaby vulgar display of power <laughs> no one can ever see that cover and then forget it it just it's just impossible that um, album that that album is you see you brought up pantera now i gotta throw pantera in there too um I, uh, I saw Pantera the very last show I think they ever played together. They played oh, in Orlando. Man. They played in Orlando, Florida, or at least, I'm sorry, the last United States show they played yeah. uh, before they broke up for good. And then um, mm. and then Dime was was killed like, what, three mm. years after that. But I got yeah. to meet I got to meet Vinny and Dime many times because I used to publish a music magazine. And oh, nice. when Damage Plan was touring uh, with Shadows Fall yes. uh, and, and uh, some other bands, I, I interviewed them and got to hang out with them and Zach Wild with Black Label and all those folks. Oh. So, yeah. So oh, I've met all those guys and, and they're great. And, and yeah, dude, the groove metal of Pantera, there is nothing like it. Nothing Absolutely. Like it. Absolutely. Nothing there will like never be another Pantera. So, so you know what? I'll, I'll take, I'll be a real um, American redneck and I'll just get rid of all those other bands and I'll put Pantera on the top. All right. 
Fantastic, man. Fantastic. Uh, Jake has also pointed out that the Heritage auction for uh, Dylan's original artwork, some of the pages go for around 200 US dollars. That's crazy. That is. That's mad. Like, now, if he had said 2,000, wow. I can understand that, but 200 US dollars? Well, after this, Lucifer, we need to go look because we can <laughs> maybe get a full. We can. I don't think you're, we're going to get a splash arse face a page for that, but <laughs> yeah. like, um, it's probably like one of the back pages that have like you know, um, one uh, one. It's like the mailman delivering the mail or something. <laughs> you know, but yeah, but yeah, uh, gotta need a battle uh, yeah. Yes, Jake says, got to need a battle vest patch for Lady Satan, and oh my god, I think he's one of the guys with the denim vest, and he needs it covered in patches. It seems like a good collaboration. I mean, I have a, a you know, I have a thing called Oh My God, and you're Lucifer Storm, so. And again, for all those watching, <laughs> Lucifer is a main character in my book, and what's nice about him is I didn't take the Neil Gaiman Lucifer Mm. androgynous david bowie or the television really handsome buff lucifer yeah. i made lucifer look like trigon from the teen titans yes so he's got horns and he likes uh he likes um sleeping with porn hub models <laughs> and he and in my comic before he decides to bring on the rapture he when he came to earth he really liked all the sin that was here. And before he got down to business, he thought he'd have a little fun. So he was seen by TMZ having dinner with Elon Musk and hanging out with um, uh, Jeff Bezos from Amazon. And then he was seen with a whole uh, bunch of uh, porn actresses one night. So he had some fun before getting down to business and, uh, you know, uh, starting a war with heaven awesome man awesome there there was one shot in the issue that you sent me that i loved where where lucifer's got the lead like that and she's just shooting in his face yeah. and it's just yeah. like oh, oh. Yeah. that's actually that's actually misty america who was shooting him yes that's the, the lead, one yeah the lead kira is the one with the angel wings that were fading yes. in and out yeah, yeah because the closer she gets to him the more she loses her power but yeah, that was Misty America. And I don't know if you noticed, but every time he had her in a chokehold, someone would distract him and he kept throwing her down. Yes. And that was my that was my visual gag in the issue that she got picked up like three times to get choked out, but he kept tossing her aside to go fight someone else. So it's just fun man that that's one of the thing i love about outlaw comics and like comics like yours. They are just they may be super dark. But yeah. they are fun. You still walk away from it with a smile on your face. Oh, yeah. I got, I, yeah, like, that's the thing is, like, even when someone, like, gets their head cut off, um, I make, I, they say a quip after it, you know, yeah. because I did, I did, I didn't, I did want to, I wanted to alleviate the darkness with all the horror movies that I love so much where, yeah. you know, you're, you're getting killed, but then they're making a joke, you know, and it's just, you know. <laughs> Because it, it 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 makes it more palatable. It, the the yeah. gore and violence goes down a little easier if you know after you decapitate someone, you make a little joke or a pun 
about that he lost his head or something stupid like that you know yeah absolutely man what was some of your what's one of your favorite lines of dialogue that you've put in the book so far um i i did like um when kira has sex with an angel kira palmer the protagonist when she has sex with the angel she's possessed by god and god talks about how he's a muse for brilliant minds and he mentions michelangelo he actually mentions neil gaiman he mentions um raphael he mentions bob dylan and then he mentions pamela anderson and she asks him why pamela anderson and he says have you seen tommy lee's penis and then (laughs) so that was the first one and for more body humor in a following issue, she is yelling at uh, God because, uh, spoiler, she's possessed by God due to the intercourse she has with this angel. And God is speaking in an English accent, just like you, and uh, and purposely because um, he likes she likes she grew up loving Harry Potter, so yeah. he sounds like Alan Rickman from uh harry potter and also from dogma i was thinking of kevin smith's dogma Mm -hmm. and um uh, the voice of god which is metron um when she's talking about that he that do you usually force yourself on women he says to her he says excuse me miss hashtag me too you gave me permission or something like that so i was bringing up the you know whatever was in the news whatever was in the news when I was writing the story about, you know, uh, sexual harassment or whatever. And I was, uh, I was kind of alluding to it in this book, you know, Hmm. and also, and I have to say on issue three or four, I start off the book with a Frank Miller homage from dark Knight returns with the talking heads on the television. Yes. And I do that to bring the reader. There's a time jump in the middle of my book of six months and I'm bringing the reader up to speed with this page of talking heads on the television. And I made them contrasting views and they were all about, um, Donald Trump making a deal with the devil and Nancy Pelosi was really a demon. And also that, uh, for some reason in the news, when COVID started, some doctor was on saying something about, uh, demon seed was, demon sperm could uh, could uh cure covid and i actually used it in the book and said uh, scientists and dr fauci have determined that C- demon seed does indeed cure covid and you know just just like i'm not i don't give a shit about what's going on in the world when it pertains to my comics but i do really enjoy taking absurdities out of the news and putting them into whatever I'm writing. Cause it's just fun. Oh, that sounds fucking great, man. Absolutely great. I, I love that attitude, that perspective, that, uh, that approach to it, that whole, I just don't give a shit. Like I don't, I, I don't give a shit. <laughs> if someone turns around and says like, this offends me. So I don't fucking care what yeah. you expect to parade or fucking something, you know, mm-hmm. uh, like, 
how do you feel because you you briefly brought up political correctness uh, earlier in the conversation what are your if you don't mind me asking what sure. are your views and opinions of political correctness and how it's uh, affected uh, not just our society but kind of like the comic book scene as well well um i think the political correctness in um comics and in art is kind of um overwhelming at the moment um i don't think it should be there yeah um without taking a stance uh vocally because i i don't really affiliate with groups i think cancel i think cancel culture is terrible yeah um unless someone is hurting someone i don't feel like um so so to sum up that vague answer Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Um, if I write my first two issues of my book had the, f I was saying, fuck every other page. Yeah. If anyone was offended, just don't read my book. Um, if you don't like violence or nudity, change the channel. Yeah. Um, if you don't like, I'll be more, if you don't like what a actress on the Mandalorian <laughs> thinks about anything, yeah. Don't get her fired. Why don't you just change the channel? Yeah. If you don't like what what the star of the Mandalorian is also saying in contrast, don't watch the show. Yeah. If you don't like Zack Snyder's Justice League, don't watch it. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna watch it the second it appears. Yeah. Because it's cool. Uh, yeah. To me, um, I don't think that. Louis CK should not be doing comedy hmm. as long as he didn't hurt anybody. I don't think Gina Carano shouldn't have a job right now. I don't think um, there's anything wrong with um, the comic skate people. Yeah. And on, and in contrast, if you're a um, SJW type artist or writer, I don't think people should be gunning for you either. If you're yeah. not, pushing your shit on anybody or hurting anybody. I'm not left and I'm not right. I'm in the middle. And yes. I just feel like, I feel like we should all get along and just leave each other alone because mm. uh, what is the idea of why worry about what you're doing or your, why worry about what you're doing? Yeah. If, and if I'm worried, why don't I just not follow you? Why don't I just, exactly. why don't I just not buy your book? Yeah. You know, um, that's, uh, you know, what, I like, uh, like, talk about modern comics. I love Donnie Cates. Hmm. Okay. I love the way he writes. Yeah. I love the, the fact that he's really a, a pagan cultist dude. And, <laughs> but he, he's, he still works for mainstream comics. Yeah. You know, he's got a lot of subversive uh, comics and ideas, and I love him. I've met him personally. He's a super cool guy. Hmm. Um, if he's political, um, whether it's I, I imagine he's kind of left in his politics, yeah. that doesn't have any bearing on whether I like his art or not, you know. And at the same time, if I want to go read a Dan Fraga book, I don't care if he's on if he's on a you know a YouTube channel with um, you know Ethan Van Skyver or anybody else like that, you know I. Those are all, those are all good artists. Yeah. Um, so I'm not like, I'm not going to put hashtags or pronouns in my Twitter account, but 
no one really is, no one bothers me because if I don't like them, I just won't like them, you know? <laughs> and I'm, I don't know what that, I don't know when that became a thing, but it's, it's kind of fucked up. You know, I like Tim Vigil's a very political dude, very conservative. Um, some people like won't look at his stuff because of that. And like, who cares? The guy's a cranky old dude anyway. But why, why not just enjoy his shit? John yeah. Burns, a, John Burns a dick, too. But, you know, I would like I would run over burning coals to get another autograph by John Byrne if I was at a show. You know, there's certain people who cares what they think, you know, and it's a shame because before the Internet, my my friend, you know, no one knew what anybody thought of anything. Exactly. You know, you, you could have been like they could have been sacrificing children in their backyard for all we know. But, you know, you still watch their TV show, yeah. you know, or you bought their comic books or you, you, you know. And again, you know what, when you think when you to 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 sum up that whole question, mm -hmm. if you don't like someone, don't spend money with them. That's all. But yes. you know what? Don't get them fired, though. It's not mm -hmm. your it's not your place. You, they don't work for you. See, that's the whole thing, too, that bothers me about everything. And, and it probably bothers you, too. Don't people take like they act like they own everything. Like when a yes. Star Wars movie comes out, they're like, oh, Star Wars sucks because I didn't like the movie. Well, guess what? It's not your movie. It's <laughs> not. And it's not. And like, oh, Anthony, we don't like your comic book. I'm like, so it's not your comic book. Yeah. Or I don't like this band or I don't like this pop singer. I don't like who cares? Like, like I, I, I'm not going to buy it. I'm not going to go out and buy a Justin Bieber album, but I don't need to go on Twitter and say anything about Justin Bieber. What do I care? He doesn't even exist in my world, Yeah, you know? Uh, but you know, and I know that's a stupid example, but it's the same thing. Like, you know, if I don't like a writer or an artist, I don't like them because I don't like their art. I can give a rat's ass who they sleep with or yeah. what pronouns are in their thing or what, who they voted for. Well, I don't care. I don't, cause like I'm not buying their vote. I'm not a politician. I'm buying their comic books. Yeah. So, you know, to be fair, I think social justice, not, not just social justice in itself has always been a, 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 a part of comic books because they are heroes fighting noble causes. Yeah, uh, you know the characters themselves, but why the people that create them have to be that way? I don't know. And I also, politically speaking, I know I'm kind of coming off a little, you know, middle of the road here. But you know, my favorite characters growing up were the Hulk and the Thing and all that stuff. Yes. You know, like I always liked the monsters in Marvel comics. Yeah, like I didn't care if they were male or female. Like if I like Wonder Woman, it's because I like Wonder Woman. It's not because like wonder woman represents me an yeah. italian kid from new york i'm not yeah. wonder woman i'm not thor i'm not the hulk yeah. you know and if or luke cage for example i wanted to be I, I loved mr t on the 18 when i was a kid yes and i used to even dress up with gold chains and a mohawk i didn't care if he was african-american i just cared that he was a cool character yeah you know and i didn't have to be black or be an adult man to pretend I was him, you know, mm -hmm. and that's, and again, you know, when you say something about comic books, I think we all need to like check ourselves and realize on both sides of the arguments, we're talking about imaginary characters on paper, <laughs> yes. you know, and why people are fighting about imaginary characters on paper about stuff is ridiculous. They're, oh, they're yeah. not real. Superman no. is not real. Batman is not real. 
Mm. Faust is not real. None of these people are, none of these things are real. So why do you, why do we have to be narcissists and own them and, and dictate, you know, the stories and the, the plots and the endings and all that stuff, you know, just do what you do, man. So yeah. I hope, I, I know that was verbose, but I, I guess you got the point there. <laughs> no, that, no, beautifully verbose. Because that's, that, that's such a, a, a great way to look at it. I mean, some people that I know, they're kind of like, oh, we need the SJWs out. And that's their opinion. That's absolutely fine, regardless of whether I agree with it or not. Sure. Personally, if, if SJW people want to make comics, I want them to make those right. comics. As long no as one should, I can No one should money. be silenced. No one should absolutely. be silenced. Absolutely. I mean, I can't name the person, but I had a, a guest on a few weeks ago who during the show, they were absolutely pleasant and fine. Afterwards, I saw some of the, the horrible shit that they were posting online and I didn't think, oh, let's cancel them or anything. And they were a very left leaning person. Uh, sure. They were they were celebrating someone's death, taking joy in yeah. the fact that someone died. And I just messaged them and said, dude, do you really think that's look, you seem to attack and celebrate the death of people that don't think the exact same way as you. And that's pretty disgusting, considering this guy his body isn't even fucking cold yet. He's got friends and family who are mourning him, and you're going out there going, good, fuck the guy, so long, douche, yeah. and all that. And I just cut ties with him, because I was like, if, you, if you're an asshole, fucking go. I don't, I don't give a shit about you. If you're cool, I don't care if you're left, right, up, down, gay, straight, you're cool. I'm going to judge yeah. you on your fucking yeah. character, nothing else. Well, that's what's funny is that the problem with intolerance in people being anti-fascist mm. is they're so – they're trying to silence so many people that they're becoming totally intolerant. Yeah, and absolutely. the McCarthyism that we had in the 50s, and mm -hmm. I know both your country and my country, we have yeah. you know conservative, a lot of conservative folks yeah. that, yes, they're way – there's people that are way extreme. But the, mm, you know, the other side's way extreme too. And that's why, like, whether it's comics or whether it's art, I like to be somewhere in the middle of reason yeah. Yeah. and say, as long as someone's not bothering you, leave them alone, yes. you know? And, and, and again, I know exactly what you're talking about because I was actually on a bunch of programs uh, a few weeks ago mm. with folks that I would get on and I thought we were talking about comic books and then they would start bringing up, you know, about people who died or whatever that they don't like. And, you know, mm. it's like rest in piss or whatever. That's yeah. disgusting. You know, yeah. I mean, even I wouldn't even put that in my outlaw comic. That's because yes. like, that's like I, I could decapitate someone, mm. but I wouldn't print anything like that about anyone. Dude, what is it? Even the, you know, uh, the the uh, Osama bin Laden. Yeah. Um, when we, uh, you know, smoked his uh, smoked his ass, mm. people in Boston and New York City and stuff, they were having parties that night. And mm. look, I know he was a terrorist and an enemy of freedom and America yeah. and all that. But I don't see the reason to ever, ever celebrate death, whether it's mm. of an enemy or a friend. Uh, I don't I think that's a morally decrepit, deplorable thing. 
by both by both uh, extremes of society. I don't think anyone should ever celebrate anyone's passing. Mm. Uh, in any case, you know, you don't celebrate Stalin and Hitler to be that way. You know, I mean, just yeah. yeah, there's bad people in the world, and yes, you can say they get what they deserved, but yeah. to celebrate death in any way, shape, or form is you being a monster yourself. Yes. And what my grandma used to say something, what is it? Two wrongs don't make a right, you know? And, uh, you know, and that's kind of, you know, common sense. I don't care whether you're a Christian or an atheist or a, a pagan, or you worship the devil or whatever the deal is, you know, whatever your religious moral beliefs are, the golden rule is still do unto others. Yes. And uh, as they would do unto you and, um, uh, you know, do what thou will, as long as you're not hurting anybody. Uh, the truth of the matter is there's a lot of people on there on both sides of the political spectrum that are bringing their politics into every single aspect of life. And it's not yeah. right. Yeah. Um, you shouldn't you shouldn't demonize anyone unless they're truly a demon. Yeah. If a if a, an actress or an actor on The Mandalorian or a comedian or a um, a, um, a, a Hollywood celebrity or a United Kingdom, uh, a BBC celebrity, or anybody is actually a pedophile or a rapist or a killer, then those people should be demonized. But mm -hmm. if they're just being demonized because of their opinions, um, just like you and I are speaking so candidly about our opinion, you know, mm -hmm. uh, that's ridiculous. You know, uh, you know, cigarette smoking kills people, Lucifer. Yeah. So I want to hashtag cancel Lucifer Storm. <laughs> you know, that's like, you know... Um, my wife's my wife's mom died uh, of lung cancer. So yeah. you know what? I'm going to go tweet really bad things about you tonight because you're smoking, you know, and I don't know what you're smoking, but, you know, I'm going to assume and I'm going to hashtag it and get you fired from your own YouTube channel. <laughs> that's, you know, that's how absurd that is. Yeah. You know, that's how absurd all that is. And by the way, it's absurd on both sides. Absolutely. I don't think... I don't think the right should be attacking the left, and I don't think the left should be attacking the right. I just think we should all be meeting in the middle and reading some cool comics. Yes. And if you think Marvel and DC are too politically correct, mm. then don't read them. Yeah. And if you don't like that, go follow hashtag whatever Indiegogo campaign you like. And if you do think they're too political – then go back to Marvel and DC or read some image books or whatever, or, yeah, we'll but don't attack. Don't, 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 we, we all have to stop attacking each other. It's uh, we all need to just read comics and uh, draw comics. It's funny that we mentioned, uh, you know, that cartoonist kayfabe stuff. Um, yeah. I wish they were more supportive of artists like you and I, instead of looking at 20 year old comics all the time. Yeah. However, you can watch 80 hours there a program and not know one thing about politics or, or yes. leanings. When they talk about Jim Storenko, they're only talking about his artwork. When they're yes. talking about Jack Kirby, they're only talking about his artwork. So that, that is some, there is something to be said about that. I miss the days of Walter Cronkite for all you kids out there. That was a guy in America who used to read the news but he only read the who, what, where, when. He didn't offer his opinion afterwards. Yes. So when there was a killing or a fire or a political campaign or whatever, he just told you the facts and only the facts. And they never pontificated about shit afterwards. 
And the same thing with me, you know, and, and no doubt um, Lady Satan comic. When you talk about snuff films, uh, you're a uh, spoiler. Uh, I read your synopsis. If she survives a snuff film, I really doubt that you get heavy into the politics of the snuff film industry. Because <laughs> um, we would all be a little worried about how, what kind of research you did for that. But <laughs> you should be worried. <laughs> but but at the same time, you're just writing a cool comic, you know. And truth be told, and there are some there are some um, left leaning people uh, and right leaning people that I just adore. You know, yeah. uh, Eric Larson who does Savage Dragon, I love his shit. Yeah. I don't care what he writes on Twitter. I think he's the bomb. Yeah. Um, and then there's some right wing nut jobs out there who are totally crazy too. But if I like their artwork, man, they're going to get my money too. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's all, you know, I grew up, I grew up reading uh, war comics when I was a kid too. I loved Sergeant Rock and Sergeant Fury. Yeah. Not all those things were politically correct, but at the oh. time I thought, Hey, it was good guys versus bad guys, mm. you know, but, um, Right, right now in the comic book industry and entertainment industry, sometimes you can't tell who the bad guys and the good guys are because uh, I think they're all wearing masks, buddy. And yeah. the truth of the matter is they're all not showing their true colors. They're all pretending and they're all um, trying to get the And I will tell you one thing, you know what, you know what the true evil in the world is political, non-politically speaking money, mm. money, money is the root of all evil and the corporations are fueling some of this stuff that we're dealing with all the time. Oh God. Yeah. Cause they make so much money out of it. They and, love the divide. And, and I still think Dis even though I love WandaVision, Disney is evil. <laughs> I, I watched, I watched a, one of your YouTube videos with another guest who said, yeah. who was adamant about, I think he would have killed Mickey mouse on air on your show. <laughs> yes. He hated Disney so much. Uh, I know the um, one you're on about. <laughs> Yeah, but he every every other word was I hate Disney and I've never worked for Disney and all that. And I think Disney and 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 companies like that um, are ruining art and entertainment. To be honest with you, um, because of lack of choices. Yeah. And uh, although I am guilty of taking my son and wife to see every single Marvel movie that's ever been made, um, I don't agree with. Um, their one-sidedness in their business you know yes. and i watched mulan and then saw the end credits about places where they had concentration camps and mm. i don't really like that too much but i still enjoyed the movie you know but yeah. you know it, it is what it is it's and it's again we all learn we all need to learn how to separate art from artist yes yes absolutely I, i'm a big advocate of separating art from artist I've, I've said it to a few people before and sometimes the reaction I get is not necessarily a pleasant one. The, the fact of the matter is someone like Bill Cosby, he did awful things. I will not stand up for the things that he did to those women. That was truly disgusting and awful. And, you know, he should be serving time for it. However, I will still watch the Cosby show because sure. it wasn't an episode of the Cosby show that raped those women. Right. And at the end of the day, if you say, I'm not going to buy the DVD of The Cosby Show, I'm not going to stream it, then you're not actually hurting Bill Cosby. Right. You're hurting the hundreds of other people that worked on that show that didn't do anything wrong. Right. 
you know i uh, so i do believe there should be that divide and also i i have to call people out when they say like oh no i can't support this because bill cosby's a rapist it's like but you're still reading hp lovecraft right you know like what what makes that okay i mean all right if you know anything about H.P. Lovecraft, you know that he was a horrible racist, but you also know that he denounced racism before he died. Sure. And evidence shows that his mother was very abusive towards him, and that's probably one of the reasons why he became racist. It was a way of taking out his aggression towards his mother, knowing that he couldn't take it out towards her directly. So it is a little bit more complicated. But at the end of the day, I, I like consistency in people. You know, well, like... Yeah. Do you... um? Do you um uh, you you've heard of the rock band Led Zeppelin, right? Of course. Okay. Well, how many um how many social justice warriors out there do you think own Led Zeppelin records or wear Led Zeppelin t-shirts? Oh, that's a good question. Probably reckon... a lot of them. Yeah. Okay, in my opinion. Living in America. Now, living in the United States, almost every person I know loves and adores and worships Led Zeppelin. Yeah. How come none of those people care that Jimmy Page, who, by the way, I love Jimmy Page. Yeah. How many people know that Jimmy Page was sleeping with a 14-year-old in the 70s they by the name of Lori Maddox, who has been documented very well? Hmm. You know, that, in fact, she slept with probably every member of Led Zeppelin and was Jimmy Page's girlfriend hmm. at the age of 14. Hmm. Now, how come that's okay? Yeah. But, but God forbid you... Uh, God forbid I have Annie Hall in my collection. And again, <laughs> and again, no one's saying that's right either. Yeah. All right. But my point is you, you just because um, remember in the sixties when uh, Lennon said the Beatles were more popular than Christ yes. and, er and everybody was burning records. <laughs> yes. Well, that's the same shit that's going on now. Yeah, because because um, because an actress says beep boop boop beep or whatever on their mm. Twitter page, people want her to die. That's stupid. I mean, who cares? Yeah, you know, it's they're they're not politicians. They're not the Pope. They're not world leaders. No, um, they're not church leaders. They're not social uh, leaders. They're actresses and celebrities and musicians. No yeah. one should care. No one should care that Jimmy Page was banging a 14 year old in 1970. Mm. Okay. And no one should care about James Gunn or Louis CK or any of those people. Um, and by the way, James Gunn, I guess Disney was all right to forgive him, but yeah. other people, but other people can't get a pass. And again, I'm not making a, a statement of, you know, about anything being right or wrong. I'm just saying, mm. um, you know, like, like I said, if you're a Led Zeppelin fan, and you're a person that stands up for social um, justice in the world against um, pedophiles. Yeah. Well, it's been well documented that Jimmy Page slept with a 14 year old for months in the 70s. Yeah. In L.A. And her name was Lori Maddox. And you can look that up. It's but no one cares about that. No. Or, you know, you can give Roman Polanski all the awards you want. But, you know, he can't even return to the United States, you know, um, mm. So, you know, there's a double standard with everything and mm. comics, there's double standards too. And, um, yeah. but to be on the bright side, we should just worry about making cool comics and, and we shouldn't worry about what 
other people. Like, I don't even worry about what you're doing and you shouldn't worry Mm -hmm. about what I'm doing. If you dig it and you want to promote it, then promote it. And, you know, if you want to back an Indiegogo campaign and buy a book, then, you know, then, you know, hit you up and buy your books. If you want to buy my books or or see what I'm about, you know, uh, $2.99 message me and I'll mail them to you. It's, it's, it's all about just people creating stuff and, and yeah. jamming and having fun. And, yeah. um, and I think that's the way everything should be, you know? Yeah. Why, yeah. Why'd you make me get political, Lucy? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't my original intention, but I'm tomorrow, glad tomorrow, out. I'm going to have like 12 less Twitter followers tomorrow, <laughs> but, oh, you know what? Right. but you know what? I really don't care. Yeah. Exactly, because that number means nothing. Like so many people have like focused. Nothing. They're so nothing. focused on all that shit. They're they're wasting their time arguing and bitching at each other and going, "Oh, how many likes did I get?" And they seem to forget life is way too short to worry about that bullshit, man. Yeah. Also, do you does it bother you that most of the people that criticize art are really critics and they have no actual creative bones in their body? It, 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 it kind of disturbs me a little bit. It's like if you wanted to say something about my artwork, then at least you're a co- you know another creator. But most of the people that complain about like movies and stuff, they've mm-hmm. never like like the people that complain about oh I don't like how this TV show ended or this movie ended or whatever. They don't, they've never like even produced a thirty second commercial in their life. Yeah. You know, just because you have an iPhone and you can make a TikTok video. Doesn't mean doesn't mean you should um, edit a Zack Snyder film or um, a Spider Man film or the Aliens franchise. You know, I just I don't get it. I don't I don't get why we're so narcissistic that every every piece of art and entertainment has to end and begin exactly how we want it. I know, right? I, I mean, I, I take uh, a little bit more of a, a stoic approach to it, where if someone like complains about about they they criticize my work and they've never made anything in their life i'm like well you know what i'm confident in my abilities i know what i'm capable of doing i know that i've sat down i've put the time into not just making it but learning the craft and continually learning and honing my craft that it's like okay you didn't like it you thought it was bullshit that the ending was bad or whatever or that the characters seemed a little two-dimensional or whatever hey that's your opinion i i wish that you enjoyed it but not everyone's going to enjoy it hopefully you'll enjoy the next one until then i'm gonna go over here and just do my thing because like if, if i obsess like about the reviews and stuff to me that's the same as like those guys who are obsessing about like how many likes they get on stuff and like uh, arguing with each other about political opinions and stuff whilst whilst those people are doing that i'm either sat at my desk and i'm writing and drawing or i'm picking up my guitar and i'm just playing some music or i'm hanging out with uh, wild foxes that i look after in my garden and that all of those things, that's priceless. That's stuff that if I if I go to Twitter and start focusing on that, I'll miss out on all that stuff. And I'll get to my deathbed and I will regret missing out on that stuff. So if other people want to do that, let them. Fucking this, let uh, them because I'm not going to do it. This comment is is wonderful underneath you. What is that? Oh, Sam, Samuel, Samuel Bell. Bell. 
Yes, the modern says, world reminds me of Shakespeare. Hell is empty and the and all the devils are here. That is correct. And so you could beautifully said. And you could you could follow that up with everybody in the world doth protest too much. Yes. Yes, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Listen, we're gonna have to wrap up in a second, but I have two more questions for you before sure. we go. But I also want to remind everyone who's watching live and everyone who's going to watch on the replay that if you take a look in the description box down below, you can find Anthony's Facebook and Twitter. I highly recommend that you follow him. And if you're interested in his books, send him a message and he'll sort you out. So before we go, before we go, two questions that I ask everyone. And the first one is, do you believe in writer's block or artist block or just a general creative block? And if you do, how do you overcome it? Um, yeah, I do. Some nights I will sit down to draw. Mm -hmm. The writer's block is never there. It's the artist, the actual illustrator block that hits me. Yeah. Um, when it hits me, I make a point of getting away from it. Yeah. Getting away from it in your physicality, your, your, your muscle memory, but also get away from it in your head. Yeah. Just put the paper away, put the Bristol board away, put the, the computer program away, whatever you're working on. Yeah. Uh, put the guitar away, whatever you're creating. If it's not coming naturally, step away from it and take a day or two. Yes. Time heals all wounds uh, regarding creativity. If it's mm -hmm. bothering you and if you feel like you're forcing it, Step away from it for even a week if need be. Um, I have a full-time job, I think I stated. I work like 40 to 50 hours a week. Yeah. I work on my artwork at night. And I have a family. I have a wife and son, two cats, and a house, and a lot of responsibilities. And, um, and I'm not a young spring chicken. So if I don't feel the creative juices flowing, I step away from it. Because guess what? I don't know about you, but Marvel and DC ain't call my editor ain't call me up saying finish this today. So yes. you're you're you have no one's deadline but your own. Yeah. And now that's the other thing. The other way to to the other way to battle creative block is to make your own deadline. Pretend that you are your editor and you are calling and you say to yourself, I have to have this done by Friday. So again, there's two ways to, to, to combat creative block, step away from it and give yourself space away from the project or your passion. And the other thing is to actually impose deadlines. So you treat it more like a job and less like a hobby that's yes. worked for me throughout my life in all creative endeavors. Yes, that is that is such good advice to hear. I mean, I'm someone who who doesn't believe in a creative block or a writer's block or whatever. I just get on with it. I don't allow myself to believe in it because if I believe in it, then it can hurt me. If I don't sure. believe in it, it can't touch me for love. Nor and really. that's and that's and that's even a better a better strategy. It's just um, like me. I do get bouts of self-doubt. So it's, oh, yeah. it's best to move away and come back to it tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. I think we, I think we all get that, that moment of imposter syndrome where you're kind of like, I can't sure. do this. I'm not meant to right. do this. I, yeah. I get it a hell of a lot. And you're absolutely right. The best thing you can do is rather than like 
trying to charge on with it, you just say, today it doesn't matter because by sure. tomorrow I'm going to think so differently about that. So I'll wait till tomorrow and then I can just crack on with it and get the job done. Exactly. You know? So the last question the last question, and before I ask you this question, I just want to say this has been an absolutely awesome conversation. I'm so glad that we hooked up on Twitter and that I got Agreed. you on the show. And Agreed. I hope that you come back on the show soon. I not, definitely not in a year's time, but sooner than that. <laughs> no, definitely, definitely had a ball. Awesome, man. Awesome. The final question for you this evening is: Do you believe that there is any truth in the idea of the tortured artist? Oh yeah. Yes. Yes. I grew up an only child mm -hmm. and I don't think I got hugged and kissed enough. And I always, I'm not the most social person, but when I'm on a stage or when I'm on camera yeah. or whether I'm on some sort of performance uh, aspect, I am the life of the party. So, and one conversation with my ex-wife and my present wife and every woman I've ever been with will tell you that, oh man, he's a tortured artist. <laughs> um, and I spent probably, you know, confession, probably mm -hmm. spent 15 minutes before this interview thinking of which t-shirt to wear and what, what beanie to put on <laughs> uh, or whether I should go with the, 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 uh, the Phil and Salmo look or whatever. Yeah. And I went to display my banner in the background. Dude, life is but a stage, you know? And yes. um, and anyone who is a musician or a poet or a dancer or an illustrator or a painter, <sighs> if they're not tortured, then they – I don't think they're making art for real. I don't think it's real. And I think anybody that sits and does this crap mm. – is gotta be a little effed up a little bit, you know. I mean, <laughs> well, you read the I mean, synopsis of my book, I mean, didn't you? <laughs> you know, I mean, I've seen your drawings, you've seen mine. Yeah, you call yourself Lucifer Storm. Um, you know, it's you know, I think we all have issues, don't we? <laughs> yes. You know, so <laughs> I, I think, and I think, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, you got to suffer for your art sometimes, and I think the true artists. Um, I'll, I'll, John Lennon, Kurt Cobain, you know, go, you know, mm. Glenn Danzig, you go, go down the list. That, that was a real weird analogy, uh, Glenn Danzig and John Lennon. But, you know, everybody's a little screwed up. And I think if you're an artist, um, you know, you're, you know, a true artist. Um, um, it, but it's a matter of dealing with that, uh, you know, how much you suffer and yeah. how, um, how um, struggling you are with the demons inside you. I have a lot of, yeah. I have a lot of um, uh, things from my youth that bother me that I work out, you know, yeah. through my art and yeah. all my music uh, as a songwriter, anything that I've ever written is always about things that are bothering me. I don't write love. I don't write love songs and I have a beautiful wife and a beautiful, uh, I have a beautiful son. Mm. I, I'm a very blessed person. Yeah. But I will never write a comic about how blessed I am or sing a song about how blessed I am. Yeah. My songs and my my personally, my songs and my um, my art reflects the dark side to mm. get a catharsis for it. You know, mm. it provides me that catharsis. If I yell about something, whether it's on paper or whether it's through a microphone, 
that's a catharsis to help me deal with the, the, the issues I may have. Yeah. And I think most true artists are a bit tortured. I mean, who, who isn't, I mean, yeah. you know, and, and what is art? And, you know, I'm not, I don't, I don't think hell. I even think Dwayne Johnson, the rock, who is a movie mm-hmm. star, yeah. uh, judging from his television show or from what I've read about him, you know, you wouldn't think that he's what you call a tortured artist because he's a billionaire right now mm. and he works out all day. But why do you think he works out all day? Exactly. Why do you think, why do you think he's so passionate mm. about, his movie career and his wrestling career and his Vodk, his tequila company and all that. Yeah. He's like that because he had a rough childhood. Yeah. Elon Musk, who makes rockets and Teslas and stuff. He was uh, abused as a child, supposedly. Yeah. Um, so, you know, of course, uh, tortured artists, uh, of course they, they, you, you, I think you create because maybe something is missing and you're trying to fill that void there are some probably small instances where people just draw or write or sing just because they enjoy it. Yeah. But I think the really good artists, here's a better answer. The really good artists are the ones that are really fucked up and tortured. <laughs> what do you think? I I second that motion yeah. big time. Yeah. There's There's been plenty of times where like I've picked up a book or I've watched a movie or I've listened to an album and I've been like, something's missing this could be fucking great but at the moment it's between average to pretty good something's missing and then there's been other ones that i've put on and my breath has just been taken away and i'm left there going wow this guy must have gone through some shit to create something so beautiful as this what's what's missing what you what you really is missing the pain is missing when yeah. you watch art and there's no pain in it, then you know something's yes. missing. Yes, absolutely. I couldn't agree more with that. Anthony, thank you so much for coming on the show this evening. I've had an absolute blast talking with you, man. Me, me too. Thank you, sir. Awesome, man. Thank you very much to you guys who have been watching both live and on the replay and interacting in the chat. You are all officially awesome. And if anyone tells you differently, I'll be more than happy to correct them. I will be returning on Monday where I'll be joined by Svi Lebetkin, a.k.a. the rabbi from another planet. We'll be talking about his forthcoming books, Imperium and Biblical. And if you know his name, it's probably because you've seen some of his work in heavy metal. That's right. He used to write for heavy metal. He's a great guy. He's full of energy and he's got a a crazy, crazy filthy mind. So it's going to be an absolute blast, which means until next time, guys, take care of yourselves, take care of each other. Most importantly, though, and I cannot stress this enough. Stay awesome.